how many of you guys remember cassette tapes? Like, who grew up listening to cassette tapes? Okay, did any of you guys sit when you had your cassette tapes with your, did you have a boom box and ever put a blank tape in and sit with your finger hovering over the record button waiting for the radio to play that one song that you wanted so that you can pound it? And you'd get, it would get spooled up so you'd lose the first, like, two seconds or so of the song and then you'd catch a little bit of the DJ at the end of the song telling you what it was or what the next song was coming on. I did that all the time. That was a staple of my childhood. But I also took it to the next level. My brother and I used to do the same thing using VHS tapes while watching MTV back when the M and MTV still stood for music. And one Saturday morning in 1994, it was in July of 1994, I have it written in a journal. Uh, my brother rushed into my room frantically saying, Matt, you've got to check out this song that I just recorded. So I roused myself out of bed and shuffled to the back room of our house where our TV and VCR lived. My dad was at work. My mom was somewhere else in the house. And my brother pushed play on the tape. Or he rewound the tape as far as he thought he needed to and then pushed play. And I leaned forward waiting to see what was going to come out, this amazing song that my brother had recorded. And we caught the last few seconds of a song called Them Bones by... Alice in Chains, we still have this tape. My brother still has this tape. And then after that song, uh, which we, at the time we loved, a new song played that I'd never heard before and I'd never heard anything like it before. And it was a song called Salvation by a band called Rancid. Uh, I'd never seen anything like this band. It was noisy, uh, it was lots of guitars and these guys with giant spiked mohawks. This is actually a uh, screenshot from that video. They were wearing plaid pants with random straps that didn't seem to have any purpose. Big giant studded belts and chains around their necks with locks on them. Uh, it was a little bit like Green Day who had just become popular a couple months earlier but like grittier and I felt way cooler and I found out that that was punk rock and I needed more of it. So the next time I went to the Marley Station Mall I bought the whole album that that song was on. It's called Let's Go. And because I saved up my allowance, I bought a bunch of other albums at Sam Goody, which was a store where you could buy music back in the day and looked just like that, um, that they also described as punk rock. And I bought probably four albums, and those became my regular rotation. I was 13 years old. My brother was 11. But we convinced our parents to let us get mohawks. We learned that the best things to use to make mohawks pointy and shiny are Elmer's glue and egg whites. Uh, true story. Rancid's still my favorite band. I'm wearing their shirt today. Um, they're the band that inspired me to play bass. The way I play bass is trying to emulate the way that they play. Not with this bass. This is like the least punk rock bass on the planet. Um, they, it's, that culture inspired me to get tattoos and to wear black, to wear a chain wallet to decorate my office with skulls and tattoo memorabilia. Um, it shaped a lot of my worldview. Punk rock is very much about not accepting things at face value, and that's really uh, shaped the way that I think about how I go about my day and my life. And so hearing that song, Salvation, which isn't, doesn't have anything to do with church, it does have to do with the Salvation Army, all those years ago changed my life. And I think for the better, and all because my brother had discovered something randomly where he was trying to record this Alice in Chains song and came across this other song, and he rushed in to tell me about it. So I want you to think about a time where you heard something or fell in love with something because somebody else came to you and said, dude, you have to check this out. 
excitement is a contagious thing. Um, so some things I'm excited about. Have, have you guys had the coconut lime muffin I curate in Annapolis? Because if you haven't, you got to go and check it out. Uh, have you guys been watching uh, Ted Lasso on Apple TV? That's like my go-to. If you haven't been watching it, you've got to check it out. Have you ever gone, so I live in Calvert County. Have you ever gone down to Calvert County of the cliffs to collect shark's teeth? It's super fun. You have to check it out. Um, in John 4, Jesus stops for a rest and has a conversation with the woman at a well there. If you've been in church for a while, you've probably heard a multitude of sermons about the woman at the well. Um, and he eventually tells this woman at the well that he knows all about her past. And eventually he actually reveals to her that he's the Messiah. And the woman says, I know that the Messiah called Christ is coming. When he comes, he will explain everything to us. And Jesus declared, I, the one speaking to you, am, I am he. And then Jesus' friends came back. They had gone off to search for lunch. And they came back and the woman leaves. And what she does next is what I want to emphasize and where we're going to go with the rest of the message. In John 4, 28 through 30, she leave, it says, Then leaving her water jar, the woman went back to the town and said to the people, Come, see a man who told me everything I ever did. Could this be the Messiah? And they came out of the town and made their way toward him. See, after her encounter with Jesus, she was like, have you seen this guy that says he's the Messiah, that knows all these things about my past? Dudes, you have to check this out. And then later, in verse 39, uh, it says, many Samaritans from that town believed in him because of the, woods tes the woman's testimony. So she got excited, and she told others, and then their lives were changed because of it. There's another story, another time. Jesus heals a man of leprosy, and he specifically tells him not to tell people that uh, how he got healed. But what does this guy do? He's got excitement, and excitement is contagious. And, he go, and in Mark 1, it says, Jesus sent him away at once with a strong warning, saying, see that you don't tell this to anyone, but go and show yourself to the priests and offer sacrifices that Moses commanded for your cleansing as a testimony to them. But instead, he went out and he began to talk freely, spreading the news all about Jesus who had healed him. They made Jesus a celebrity. Mark, that verse or chapter of Mark talks about how he can't go anywhere after that without people flocking to him. Um, but that man's excitement was contagious, was uncontainable. Another time uh, later, after Jesus uh, had died on the cross, risen and ascended to heaven, his disciples Peter and John were going around telling everyone all over Jerusalem all about Jesus and who Jesus was and what a relationship with Jesus could do for them. And the Jewish leaders at the time weren't pumped about that because they wanted to be the ones that uh, had the authority and they felt this threatened their authority and their leadership. So they called in Peter and John and they commanded them to stop talking about Jesus. Don't say anything about Jesus. Just stop teaching in the name of Jesus. It was pretty weighty because those leaders had the power to have them in prison, to, to beat them, potentially even kill them. But Peter and John replied in uh, Acts 4, verse 20, with this incredible line that I love. And he, they say, as for us, we can't help speaking about what we have seen and heard. They're so excited and moved by the things that they've experienced in their time with Jesus and even in the time after Jesus has, uh, had ascended that they couldn't stop telling people about it. 
no matter what the threat or what the other conditions or expectations upon them were. It was impossible for them not to share despite the risks. So here's another story about me. So in 2003, uh, my girlfriend, now wife, and I were looking for a church to go to together. I was just at the beginning of figuring out what it looked like to follow Jesus. And, and Becky, my wife, was rediscovering a relationship with him that she'd grown up with and kind of lost and was kind of working her way back towards. I'd picked up a job uh, working at Hollywood Video, rest in peace, like Sam Goody, um, on Sunday mornings and various other days of the week. So Becky was doing most of our church shopping for us, going around, checking out different churches. So one Sunday afternoon, she came into church, or to my work, into the video store, uh, because we didn't have cell phones then. Um, it was 2003, there were cell phones, we just didn't have any money, so we didn't have any cell phones. Um, and said uh, we'd been invited to a pastor's house for dinner. And I was not super pumped about that. I wasn't interested in going and meeting random pastors. But we went because Becky had found this church online and decided to check it out based solely on the fact that they had an image of groundskeeper Willie from The Simpsons on their homepage of their website. So we went to that dinner. Uh, and that was the first time I ever saw someone put mayonnaise on pizza, which was pretty disturbing. But it was also the first time I ever heard about this thing called church planting. See, this church was a brand new church, and Becky actually mistakenly, really, had shown up on their very first Sunday. Uh, and we were immediately adopted into that community. That community, that church is called Common Ground Christian Church in Fredericksburg, Virginia. It's still there. We were challenged there. We celebrated. We laughed together. Uh, we laughed particularly hard when the pastor there on multiple occasions forgot to check his fly before he went on the stage. Uh, I always check mine because of that. Uh, we cried through hard times together. And Becky and I were incredibly excited about it. So we went out and we told our friends about this church, Common Ground. And eventually almost all of our friends from college started coming to this church. And many of them who haven't left Fredericksburg are still attending there. Some of them have become elders and a few are staff now. Church plants are founded on the expectation that they offer something to people that they can't help but tell their friends about. And Common Ground did that. And Revolution, I think, does that as well. So Revolution's been my family for the last 11 years, 12 years actually almost. Um, when my son was born 10 years ago, you guys brought us meals. When we moved five times in the seven year period, you guys helped me with boxes and painting. Uh, when my dad was fighting cancer, you walked with me and you prayed with me. <laughs> when I broke my hand, uh, you laughed at me, deservedly. But Adam, who's back at the soundboard, also drove me to the urgent care. <laughs> um, I've walked through deaths of family members with several of you, my own family members and yours. I've prayed with you, I've cheered you on as you fought addiction. You've helped me be a better husband and a better dad. You've helped me be a better worshiper. And some of us have unloaded trailers and bins hun literally hundreds of times at all the places that we've met as a church in the last 11 years, starting at Austin Grill in the Annapolis Mall, rest in peace. Uh, this is like a trip through dead brands, my message. Uh, Lowe's Annapolis Hotel, rest in peace. Uh, Annapolis High School, still there. Germantown Elementary, Fred and Kathy's yard. <laughs> uh, 
and now here uh, at Heritage. I've laughed with you often until my sides hurt. It's a place where I want to be and I want you to be and I want people that aren't here to be a part of because it's fun and it's great and it's fulfilling to be a part of this community. Revolution's a place where I've been immediately adopted into community and helped see other people be adopted into that community as well. You can have friends here that'll laugh with you. You can have a community that will cry with you through infertility and cancer and death and job loss and anything else. It's the type of community that's gonna celebrate with you when you get the new job, but they're gonna bring you a meal or take you out for a drink when you lose the one you have. It's a community that will point you toward hope and joy and purpose through Jesus, but won't exclude you if you don't believe that same thing. There aren't a lot of places like that. When we launched Revolution in 2010, we knew we always wanted to be a place that would celebrate and invest in church planting because we were excited about it and we were so excited about it that we couldn't help it. So when we launched in 2010, we had this guy on staff, Scott Ancaro. He was a church planting resident. And we launched, he helped us for a while. And then in 2013, he left and he started a church called The Foundry in Baltimore. A little bit after that, we had another church planting resident come and join our staff. Uh, His name was Michael Bartlett. And a few years after that, he left and he started a church called Collective Church in Frederick, Maryland. We've also helped by sending teams and money and encouragement and all kinds of other things to a bunch of other churches like Bowie City Church, right down the way here in Bowie, Maryland. United Church in Owings Mills, Maryland. Encounter Church in Washington, D.C. Experience Church in Exton, Pennsylvania, uh, who I've gone and played worship with and been with many of you there. Miami Church in Miami, Florida. Uh, Restore Church in Silver Spring, Maryland. Front Porch Church in Baltimore, Maryland. And really, really recently, College Creek Church here, right here in Annapolis. There's many more, I think, that I can't remember. In a 10-year-old church, I would guess there's probably 10 more churches that we've been a part of helping that when I was writing this, I just couldn't remember. So Revolution on top of that has partnered with organizations, organizations that helped us get started. One was called Orchard Group, and another one is called Stadia Church Planting. Stadia is where I work now, and we help thousands of churches get started all over the world over the last 20 years. And why? Because, man, we want people to just check this out. Like, these are the types of communities that are providing places where people can be adopted into that community, no matter what they believe. So healthy churches provide people with a place where they can find hope. Healthy churches open the door to people getting baptized and having a family that will stand alongside of them. And I think the world needs a lot more communities like that. See, hundreds of thousands of people right here in the Baltimore, Washington area don't have a community where they feel included or appreciated or loved. Hundreds of thousands of people right here don't have a relationship with God at all. And that's just here in our backyard. Think about how many people that translates to across the globe. The church plants are especially excellent at engaging new people. It's a survival mechanism for them. (laughs) 
recent study uh, that we found says that between 60 and 80 percent of churches that are under 10 years old are made up of people who previously weren't part of a church or hadn't been a part of a church for a season. That's because people go out and they say, man, you've got to come and check this out. So what about churches like Revolution? We're, we're kind of like a tween. We're not like this older established church that's been around for 50 years. But we're not really a young church anymore. We're a couple weeks away from our 11th birthday. But we have to stay involved in church planting because church planting is where we find out how to do the things that make people want to say, man, come and check this out. Friend, come and check this out. We find out from church planting the ways to engage our community because they have to. Tim Keller is a theologian, a writer, author, pastor of a church in uh, New York City. And he says, there's no better way to reach older congregations or to teach older congregations about new skills and methods for reaching people, new people groups than by planting new churches. It's new churches that will have freedom to be innovative and they become the research and development department for the whole body. Um, this underscored uh, recently, Lifeway magazine did a, a study of Baptist churches where they went to look at 600 declining churches um, that had decided to invest in church planting or to help plant a church. And they found that all 600 of them averaged a growth of about 20% per year for five years after participating in the church plant. And that's because they saw what was happening in the church plant and got excited about how they were engaging their community and inviting people in, that they went and invited people into their community too. So at Revolution, we're gonna continue to invest in church planting because for the last 11 years, we haven't been able to stop saying, man, you've gotta come and check this out. You've gotta see what's going on here. And we want to see communities that are doing that all over the world. We want to see that chorus of come and see echoing everywhere. We want to see people transformed and communities transformed when people commit to developing families. I won't say communities again. It's a lot of times to say communities. Sorry. Uh, families that celebrate together and that lament together. And they invite people in no matter what they believe, and who they are. So 11 years of investing in church planting, probably a legacy of hundreds of churches now that Stadia, or that Revolution has been a part of through Orchard Group, through Stadia, and directly through churches that we've helped. So what do you do as an individual sitting in the seats listening, who cares, what, are, what is your action step? I think there's a few. One of them, some of you could plant a church. Churches look all different ways. There's churches that look like this. There are churches of 10 or 15 people that meet in people's houses and do amazing things for their community. There are churches of tens of thousands that do amazing things for their communities and everything in between. There's no particular type of person that can be the leader of a church. You don't have to have a degree from a Bible college to lead a church. Kenny doesn't have a degree from a Bible college yet. <laughs> and he's been leading this church 
I don't have a degree from a Bible college. My bachelor's degree is in geology. If you're curious about that, if you are interested in what that could look like for you, I'd love to talk to you about that. Becky, who is in the um, elementary school classroom right now, she works for Stadia as well. She'd love to talk to you about that. Kenny would love to talk to you about that. We want to see more churches planted, so if that's you, then we want to be on your side. But that's not going to be everyone's story. I'm involved in church planting, but I'm not going to likely plant a church on my own. So what? So what do you do? There's lots of opportunities to experience church planting. Um, so our friend Isaac just started a church here in Annapolis called College Creek Church. And I would love for you to go and check them out on Sunday. Or better yet, reach out to them and see how you can serve them. Because, man, it's tough in those first couple of weeks when you're still trying to figure out your processes and systems. Stadia, the organization I work for, is actually helping another church here in the area called Revive. They're based out of the Annapolis area, but they actually meet fully online. They're a digital church, a whole new model of church that we weren't even thinking of 10 years ago. They do uh, virtual pub theology where you gather your favorite drink and sit down and go deep on theological subjects. It's on Thursday nights. I'm sure they'd be happy to have you come and join them in that. Sometimes, hopefully, when pandemic stuff cools down, they start doing that in person as well um, at 49 West on West Street. Another way that you can get involved in church planting is to be generous in your giving here at Revolution because a portion of what you give here at Revolution for the entire life of this church and hopefully forever will be invested into church planting. It's reserved for church planting. So consider giving generously, and uh, we will continue to be a place where we say, hey, come and check it out here at Revolution, and we will continue to fuel other communities that are doing the same thing, saying, come and check this out and be a part of this community that will love you and will care for you and walk alongside of you. If you want to give more directly to church planting, I'd love to talk to you about giving directly to Stadia. Becky and I have a responsibility of raising certain funds for the organization every year. Um, when I started at Stadia seven and a half years ago, uh, after stepping off the staff here, we planted 43 churches that year and celebrated. It was amazing. This year, we'll probably plant a little over 400 churches. And all that's because people like you are generous to what we're doing and organizations like Revolution invest in what organizations like Stadia is doing. So if you want to talk about that, I'd love to go and grab coffee with you. Or better yet, we can go get one of those coconut lime muffins from Curate. Um, I'll buy, and we can talk church planting. One of the ways that we're actually going to get really involved in the Stadia story and Revolution's part of the Stadia story is participating in something called the Go the Extra Mile Day that Stadia does. Stadia has 70 staff people across 30 states uh, and all over, these staff people are partnering with their friends, their family, and their churches like you to raise awareness and funds for church planting. So on September 18th here, there's a flyer in the back if you want it, uh, we're going to build the extra mile because I, don't, I did 31-mile walk last year, and I don't want to ever do that again. Um, so we're going to stay in one place 
and not walk anywhere. And we're going to build the extra mile. We're going to build things with a mile's worth of Legos, which is about 50,000 Legos. My living room right now is very full of Legos. Uh, my son is less than excited about the condition of his Legos, but <laughs> he'll survive. It will be a time that we get to hang out, where we get to celebrate with our community and be together as friends and as family. And of course, we get to play with Legos. I'm 40, and I still love playing with Legos. There's three ways for you guys to participate in that, and I hope genuinely that you'll take all three. One is you can share with your friends that this is going on just in person, like, hey, on Saturday the 18th, why don't you come hang out with me and some of my friends from church? It's a great way to introduce people to a new community. Another way that you can uh, sh share about Build Extra Mile or is through social media and things like that. Second, probably most important, the thing I'm most excited for you to do is just show up and be here with us and hang out and build. 50,000 Legos is a lot of Legos, and I'd love to build something. There's no plans. We're not going to have booklets. We're just going to build whatever our mind's eye sees. So I like to build, like, little misshapen airplanes. We hope that you come and join us and hang out that day, that afternoon. And then third, we'd love for you to consider investing in it as well. So every dollar that's given to go the extra mile helps start churches all over the world. Right now, Stadia is starting churches here in the United States, seven countries in Latin America, Thailand, Myanmar, India, Nepal, Kenya, South Africa, probably others that I'm not aware of yet. But when it comes to being about church planting as a person who just attends a church and isn't going to plant a church yet, I think the most important thing that you can do is to celebrate with us. I am incredibly excited to be a part of a church that's worked so hard to see people adopted into hope-filled communities here in Annapolis and literally all around the globe. I think that's something that's worth telling our friends, come check this out, be a part of this community. Next week, we're gonna talk about being the kind of church where people can come and be accepted even if they don't actually like church. My friend Josh, who started Revolution in 2010, he's gonna be here and he's gonna be talking about church for people who don't like church, which is a catchphrase we use when we first launched the church. Because we wanted to be a place where people knew that no matter where you were, you could be accepted. So celebrate with us and celebrate the communities like Revolution that are all around the world saying, man, you've gotta come and check this out. You've gotta see this, you've got to experience this. Together we'll see more and more communities started that way. And we'll see our community grow closer together and continue to do those things like bring meals, pray together, laugh together, go for long walks together, eat muffins together, <laughs> maybe listen to punk rock together. I'm so thankful for all of you and just the opportunity to share with you a little bit about what we are passionate about as a church and what I'm maybe most passionate about as an individual. Thank you for that. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, 
Thank you for the communities like Revolution that are all over the world reaching out to their neighbors, to their families, and to their friends, to strangers they see on the street, saying, come and check this out. This is worth seeing. This will change your life. God, help us to be intentional about the ways that we engage with people that aren't in this room. Father, help us to remember the ways that this community has loved us when we're talking to them so that we recall and remember and inspired to invite them here. I thank you for all my friends in this room, the people that have walked with me, laughed with me, shed tears alongside of me. God, give us energy and excitement for what you're going to do next. We love you and we pray in Jesus' name.